Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week I have two very special guests, a Palestinian-American writer, filmmaker, music producer, and host of the Nostalgia Mixtape podcast, as well as Straight from Jerusalem, along with his siblings and friends, the co-founder of Palestine's very first original rock and roll band, Al Baraim. Welcome to the show, Saman and Ibrahim Ashrawi. Hey there. Hey, Noor. Baba, what do you want to say to everyone out there? Hello there. <laughs> I feel like, did I not mention that you guys are a father-son duo of just cool Palestinians? I didn't mention that. They're a cool father-son yeah. Palestinian <laughs> duo. We hang out. We hang out. We uh, bond. We talk. We um, Something we learned, I learned from my father that when your child grows up, it becomes your friend. And hence, so you... you um, you be, behave and treat your son as a good friend. Yeah. And I'm lucky we have reared um, three good children in this family, critical thinkers, bright, uh, good achievers in life, and uh, modest. And yeah. that's what you're noticing. That's his the modesty. Something yeah. I learned from my mother. I think that that's a very much so like a Palestinian, though, characteristic of just being very low-key very super modern. Like I've never heard my mom or dad brag about anything or even about me. Like, I'm like, I did something cool. And they're, they're yeah. I'm like, come on, don't you want to like brag to your friends? And they're just like, no, not really. So uh, I definitely, and I, and like I was telling Samran, I'm like, he's, he's done some really impressive work with some really, I mean, big names and, and just your work for itself. I mean, speaks for itself, but um, I'm like, I had no idea genuinely, truly, unless I like search the internet, <laughs> I had no idea. So Saman, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely got my um, interest in culture and music from my parents for sure i don't i think that my passion for it has probably now surpassed y'all's passion oh, definitely. for it <laughs> but it was important y'all were important in giving me the spark to have the passion so i think that's where it all kind of started i definitely remember like music being pretty important growing up like we always had to have cds on our road trips yeah and if we were having a long road trip and we were running out of cds you would stop somewhere and you would buy something CDs. Yeah, i think i remember we bought one what's, yeah. the, what's the music that you guys like listen to the most do you think what what music do you remember playing when i was younger well i um uh, i think that the first uh, cd that we uh put under some pillow mm-hmm 
was a Dave Brubeck CD. Mm -hmm. It's a jazz CD. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I grew up with my father listening to uh, early on, uh, way back at five o'clock, uh, the Islamic prayer. Yeah. Albeit we are we come from a, a different religion background, but we grew up with my dad's uh, listening to Abdul Basit Abdul Samad, an icon. You oh absolutely. <laughs> so you know. Yes. You know the name. And then after that, he would listen to classical music, you know. Uh, we grew up uh, listening to that. I grew up eventually to switch a little bit to um, rock and roll music. But I think during the 67, uh, uh, somehow I switched to uh, Voice of America, which is a, a propaganda, <laughs> U.S. propaganda for the Middle East. Radio and I, lo and behold, I'm listening to Ella Fitzgerald and 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 Louis Armstrong, and I'm saying, "Oh my God, this is something different." <laughs> <laughs> and hence, from there on, you know. Um, so yeah, you know. But on the road here in the United States, we we've listened to a wide variety of things: rock and roll, uh, blues, grass, uh, blues. You know, blues, blues. We listen to quite a not bluegrass. Blue, not bluegrass, blues <laughs> yeah. in general, yeah, definitely. I like bluegrass now, but yeah. on those road trips. Yeah, those we listened to a bunch of uh, music. We loved the Beatles. I mean, we've always who, enjoyed the who Beatles. Who doesn't love the who Beatles? Right? Yeah, how can you not love the Beatles? <laughs> so part of the trip would have had some Beatle music. and B.B. Um, King. B.B. King we listened mm -hmm. to. That's Cream. Oh, so definitely. super eclectic taste in music, though, which I really love because I don't discriminate when it comes to music. I like listening to everything. I like just really doing deep dives into different genres because I think it does kind of train your ear to be able to appreciate different types of music. And and I grew up listening to my dad loves Abdul Basit. He loves Feiruz. He loves Um Kalthum, oh, yeah. all of the classics and I'm really glad that I was exposed to that type of music at such a young age because it immediately kind of just opened my ears up to be more receptive to music that doesn't sound like, you know, what you hear on the radio every single day. Uh, Feruz definitely was a... That we have plenty of Feruz oh, yeah. in this house. A lot of Feruz. But I remember the, the first... So you gave me the Dave Brubeck CD and then also Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Okay. Those were my first two CDs. Right. And this was at the time when all of my friends were listening to like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and I used to bring my jazz CDs to the sleepovers and like they, I would try to like get them to put my CDs. I feel like that probably there. didn't work out for you. It, no, it didn't no. work out. <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, I mean, so listen, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was just going to say, I'm like, I grew up with, with also NSYNC, Backstreet Boys when I was in middle school and I was just like, really pushing for like Pink Floyd. I was like, come on guys, you, have, you ever heard of Metallica? Why don't, why don't we listen to a little bit of this? And they're just like, what, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I promise. Mac, Dana loved Fleetwood mm -hmm. Mac. Dana we loves have the records here. Yeah. I have all their, their old records in my, on yeah. my bookcase. That's a whole bunch of jazz music that we have. Billy Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Les McCain, uh, uh, just a wide Ahmed one. Jamal. Ahmed Jamal. Da Ahmed Jamal, definitely, from back <laughs> home. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I'm like, 
I'm like, I want to raid your record collection. Like, oh, you just, should, you should come dig through it. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, just quickly going back to, so, so I want to make sure that we know, because you did again, Saman, you did it, the, the humbleness. You're like, I'm not even going to talk about myself. I'm just going to, I'm going to shift the direction to my dad and yeah, I'm yeah. just going to stay just, quiet. Um, okay. People who would like to know a little background about me. Um, Yes, that this we went over the history of where my passion kind of came from. In college, I um, I went to University of Texas at Austin. I found out that we had a TV station there, um, and I found out there was a hip hop TV show. And obviously, growing up in in a hip hop generation, I was like, that's what I gravitated towards. And so I was like, oh, I could. I saw the work that they had done and it was already like an award-winning show before I joined. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I would love to like meet my favorite rappers and interview them. And right. That was like, you know, that was the, that was the draw. So uh, the short version of the story is that I joined the, the hip hop TV show um, ended up being the, the people who were running it were graduating. So I was given the reins and college in just like a two and a half year span, that was where I made and formed so many of my relationships in the industry. So I interviewed everyone from like everyone who was big at the time, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Mac Miller, um, Big Crit, uh, Bun B down here in Texas, who's who's big. Um, Lupe Fiasco, Waka Flocka, I could keep going. But um, I, I do have one regret about that time period. And a lot of these people I'm still like in touch with to this day, and they still help me in, in different ways. Um, one of my big regrets is that at the time, I was I did not like Drake. And you like, didn't I, like Drake. I did not. Now I'm like a huge like Drake evangelist, but I like to think I discovered Drake. <laughs> fun, fun fact: I like to think that it was me personally who Thank discovered you. him. Thank you, I would Thank go on like all these obscure rap websites and try to find all these mixtapes and like unreleased music. And I, the first time I saw Drake was it was five dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did not have the foresight that you had <laughs> because I hated him. <laughs> Because at the time I was like really big into like most deaf and like uh, common and like these types Harder of rapper. rap music. You could and think. I well yeah. I just didn't I didn't have like the uh, my brain hadn't evolved to the point that I could understand that like all these different kinds of artists can exist together. You can appreciate right. them for what they are. Anyway, so uh, down here in Texas, like probably our biggest rapper is Bun B of like the old school, and he and Drake are like this. Um, Bun is my mentor, but Bun is also Drake's mentor. And I remember getting like a text from Bun's manager while I was in college. And he was like, yo, we're doing a music video with Drake. Like you should come down, get some interviews. <laughs> like, and I didn't like him and it was like a school night, which that never stopped me before, but I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'll just stay here. And so like, I could probably still have Drake's number in my phone or something. You know what I mean? If Tell I, me. Like 2010. You're a music elitist. I can feel it radiating because that's <laughs> behavior that I would, <laughs> I would definitely do that. If I don't like a musician, I'm like, I don't care. I'm not interested. Yeah. Like I yeah. just, yeah. So big regret, but I did end up getting to meet Drake later um, because I went on to do some documentary work and some short film work. Yeah. Um, I made a documentary about Bun B's rap group, UGK. And Drake found it and he, his team like reached out to me and asked if 
they could play the documentary at a dinner that he was making, that he was putting on for Bun, and uh, like a, like a, a tribute dinner, and it was just a really cool experience. Like, just like it, it, it was like really confirming that like, because um, a lot of the work I've done hasn't made me a lot of money, but um, <laughs> it's it's you know that's that's the way. It'll 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 come it'll come, yeah. but it was really confirming that like the, the things that you're passionate about, you should go out and do them because you, you literally never know who's watching and someone is watching. Absolutely. And in this particular case, it happened to literally be Drake. So it was like just the coolest experience. Um, they, you know, OVO flew me out. I was living in LA at the time. They flew me back to Houston, put me up in a hotel. Like I was literally living Drake lyrics. You know what I mean? And uh, I do, I do wish I could have brought the family to that. I was like, <laughs> It was a small dinner, so it would have been would have been uh, not the right thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, can I bring my mom and dad? Like, I feel like they, they've met they've met uh, a good amount of the artists yeah. who I've worked with. Like Baba and Lupe Fiasco talk like at least once a year, I guess. Um, Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. knows Baba very well, um, and Bun, of course. Like Bun mm-hmm. is like. He'll call. Bun is a is a cool dude. That's, yeah. Yeah. I I want that sound bite to just play on repeat. Just you saying that Bun is a cool guy. I just I'm I'm also picturing my dad saying that, and I can't picture that at all. Uh, my dad would be like, "Mean who's Bun? Like what? Like he he would not be with it." So, um, but yeah, I think honestly, um, it seems like you you guys are very close, and and both have this this shared connection through music, which I can't lie and say that I'm not incredibly jealous because I am obsessed with music <laughs> and I try to talk to my parents about it. And even now, like when I was younger, they, they, they really loved like the, the classic Arabic music, yeah. but as they got older, they just kind of were like, not so into it anymore. And I like, I'll be like, mom, like, listen to this, look at this YouTube video I found of, you know, um, and my mom is just like, you know, whatever. But I think that, you know, the relationship you guys have is really special. Is Do you have that connection with all of your kids in regards to, like, music? Or is Saman, is he the one? Is he the, the musical child? <laughs> no, actually, I, I, I do. Uh, but each one have their own, their, their own uh, uh, love of type of music. Yeah. Uh, my my middle child had some uh, what's that country? I think she she, she loved. Uh, she was the first music. one of us to get into country. Music. Yeah, well, you guys are from Texas, right? Right, right, yeah, right. I never expected her to get into country <laughs> music, but she did. Uh, uh, given the fact that we listen to jazz and classical, yeah, like that uh, you say where did that come from, right? And then my youngest one uh, uh, actually likes. I I'm. Be honest with you, I'm a bit surprised about it, but she likes things like Frank Sinatra, and that, yeah. I'm thinking, what, what, what took you there? <laughs> I'm, I mean, you know, it, it's all about the way the music makes you feel. I think. Yeah, yeah. Take me to the moon. Fly yeah. Me to, fly me to the moon. Close, I'm close. sorry. <laughs> fly me okay. to the. See now. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's the above. same idea. It's the same concept. Fly me to the moon, yeah. and and but so. All of them like the Beatles again. Uh, all of them like Firuz sing- songs. Uh, I think we put a, a good amount of music in the family. Yeah, so, but Noor made know. me think of something which I, I haven't asked y'all before, which is they, they did not like rap music very much at first. In the beginning, maybe. So I'm wondering what what was the turning point? Was it just that I got old enough that you weren't worried anymore? Or what? when did you, what made you decide that it was going to be okay? 
You know, it's it's probably a couple of things. It wasn't like a breaking moment where there's like a before and after. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I think uh, you used to sometimes slow down some of the music to listen to the words mm-hmm. of the of the song. Mm-hmm. Some were appealing, and others were not. I was looking more for social activism than mm-hmm. anything else. And then you introduced some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you meet people like Bon and Lupe, and, and those are very nice human beings. And you say, okay, maybe that's their genre of music. They like it. And then eventually it, it tied with the Zajal in Arabic for me yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tied up with the Zajal. Zajal, you know what Zajal is? You know, I got to be honest. I don't know what Zajal is. Oh, uh, it's um, it's not poetry per se it's lines that rhyme got it it's like it's like the arab version of battle rapping but it's singing Interesting. and it goes back like yeah. hundreds of years like since we had instruments yeah. basically. oh that's so cool there's yeah. videos you can find of it online where it's like and there's different kinds too there's there's syrian zedjil there's yeah. palestinian zedjil yeah. but ba- the basic concept is like um It'll, it will, if you find videos of it, it looks, even the old from like 80 years ago, it looks like battle rap where you have one singer and their posse and another singer yeah. and their posse. <laughs> That's and so cool. The idea is they sing at each other and it is freestyled. Yeah. And it, it's freestyle. the same idea where you're, you're bragging about yourself, uh, about, um, freestyle singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the element that makes it different than battle rap is that there's an element of unity to it where, after each singer does their freestyle, then everyone sings a, a chorus together. Yeah, that's so beautiful. There's like yeah. a, there's an element of that. But you know what? You know, what I just thought of. I think I know actually what the turning point was when we watched the uh, the Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Oh, maybe. I think that was the first one of the first times I can remember because they had Fred Hampton Jr. come out and speak about free all political prisoners, ah. all this stuff, and I remember you saying. With the first time we saw, which was like 2004, 2005, I remember you saying, this feels like the when we used to throw concerts because we would have music, but we would have social messaging. Correct. Social and political messaging. Yeah. yeah. And then there was the Beastie Boys. But really, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. another story because they actually played jazz. They, they, they had some yeah. good, good. They don't just rap. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good music. So I, I suppose, you know, once you... We're open. I mean, we're yeah. not a closed-minded yeah. uh, environment. So including my parents were quite open um, music-wise, language-wise. We lived a relatively uh, liberal lifestyle. Yeah. Given, given the time. <laughs> given the time, you know. Yeah. I actually think that for, based off of the stories that my parents have told me about Palestine, it seems like when they were growing up, Palestine was definitely much more secular and progressive and, and people were just much more um, kind of like everyone just really appreciated the arts. I think also because there were not, you know, the same amount of stressors in their life. I think people did live a more, you know, relaxed kind of more time to kind of vibe out and listen to music and, and, and all that than maybe, you know, later in their life in, in Palestine, there were definitely, because both of my parents are from Gaza. So their childhood is a lot of 
struggling and a lot yes. of just, you know, trying, trying to live, trying to stay alive. So Definitely. although there is, you know, music that they, they have a lot of emotional connection to because of the messaging, because of the political yeah. meeting and all of those things. And, and just in general, I think a lot of Arabic music, I mean, it is poetic. It's, it's poetry. It's, it's, it's very, it's very deep and it's very, uh, it's, it's a unifying thing. And um, my mom grew up kind of in a little bit of a musical family. Her uncle wrote um, poetry and he wrote some of the lyrics for Feiruz. Oh, wow. So his name is Harun Hashim Rashid. He actually passed away. Ah. That's my mom's uncle. So, All right. so she grew wow. up being exposed to that. So she has a really deep appreciation for, for lyrics and poetry. And, yeah, yeah. and, and that's kind of how I approach music as well. I'm very into the messaging and, I actually also grew up loving rap music and later in life kind of moved away from it mainly because I couldn't, I just felt like, like, I can't relate to this. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're romanticizing things that don't relate mm -hmm. to my life. And so yeah. as much as it, it's cool and it's fun to listen to, I, I found myself leaning more towards, you know, music where I really felt the lyrics applied to me and the experiences mm -hmm. that I have had and my family has had. So, mm -hmm. um, but I do want to talk about, um, for you, you grew up, were you born in Jerusalem? Yeah, born and raised. I was born in refuge, basically. Um, I was born uh, across from the uh, citadel at Jaffa Gate, 1948. That's when the British uh, forces uh, basically uh, chased Palestinians out of their homes, scaring them that the Zionist, organi uh, Zionist uh, terrorist organizations uh, were about to come and kill and maim and steal and burn. So my mom, smart enough, carried her coat, one of her most beautiful coat, if I, rem mm -hmm. I still remember it today, and her jewelry from the, from the wedding, of course. And that's exactly what kept us through for a while in, in refuge. Basically, my dad would go and sell the, the pieces of gold. And so, uh, yeah, I was born in Jerusalem in an underground room in a spot that was a classroom for a Sunday school in a place called Christ Church. Uh, I was born there with my two other brothers. And my sister was already born in 1947, Seven. I believe. Yeah prior to the Nakbe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then my two other sisters were born as we moved to other flats. Mm -hmm. But uh, I should have, I don't want to take you back and forth, but, you know, today, I, I just now I remembered, no, we used to listen to Asmahan, Abdul Wahab during my mom. And I was listening to Asmahan, Asmahan today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Beautiful voice, Asmahan. Absolutely. Abdul Wahab is a classic. I mean, you 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 know you can't uh, uh, escape that. You have one of his records. Yeah, 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 definitely. Abdul so, yeah, no, no, we grew up with a lot of good classical Arabic music. Some I liked, some I didn't like. I didn't like people like Farid Al Atrash, for example. He was too much of my, crying. For my me. parents also don't like him that. Like they, <laughs> my my mom also told me that like when like people like the way girls fangirled, he was kind of like the Beatles basically. Mm -hmm. And she was like, people would just absolutely lose their minds like when they would go to see him perform live. She was like, 
it was like unsettling to me how they would like freak out. And so I think my mom being, you know, she's like, no, I'm too cool. Like this is too mainstream. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Anyways, yeah, that's where I was born, Jerusalem, Jaffa Gate. Yeah. Still imprinted in my mind, the place, uh, even as young as I was then, a few things imprinted in my mind, in my memory. What are some of those those early memories that you have, if you don't mind sharing? Um, you know, my dad at one point, he worked with the British government because the British were colonizing Palestine at the time. And then after the 48, he worked for a while uh, uh, with the Jordanian army. So I still remember, I mean, it's like across the road from, <laughs> literally across yeah. the road. Um, you know, the citadel, you know, Christchurch, mm-hmm. the citadel is right there. You just walk to the side to go up the ledge to... Like a so ramp of some sort. Yeah, he walked across the street to his job. Yeah. Uh, but I still remember a couple of times him taking us and we took pictures. You know, somebody took pictures of us with them and the other soldiers over there. But I do remember the neighbors. Uh, I think uh, I, our old neighbors were the Sous family. I think Brahim Sous uh uh, eventually uh, ended up in, in France, Paris. And I believe he was, an, uh, he was the ambassador, I think he was a Palestinian ambassador to France for a while, for a while. Okay. Uh, I, I think he passed away. He was much older than I was. But I do remember him. I do remember his parents, his, his aunts. They all lived in one place uh, on one side of, uh, of that church. I still remember the back area behind the church, behind the homes where uh, the Sous family lived. How long did you live there for as as a refugee in that church? I would say a few years, a couple of years at least, at least a couple of years. Um, Yeah, at least a couple of years. And I I still remember the time I fell into that little water reservoir. I was Curious, too curious, as I've always been <laughs> in my life. Uh, I, I, I had a red coat. Uh, somehow I fell into the water, uh, and I think the coat bled. Uh, the dye. Someone found yeah. me quickly. How I can't remember <laughs> yeah. though. And he carried me over to my mom, and my mom freaked out. She said, "Oh, for sure." You thought you were bleeding. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah nah. I know that the your your band Al Bara and your you you basically created this band with your siblings. And I wanna kind of I I would love to learn a little bit more about like how that kind of came to be and, and kind of you know what that experience was like in Palestine at that time to kind of form um, a, a rock and roll band. Were, were there other people doing covers, or was this kind of like an unheard of thing that no one else was doing? To my recollection, to my recollection, the way I think things started, somehow we acquired an acoustic guitar. And to date, I can't remember how. I need to really go back yeah. and ask Emil yeah. and and or Samir. And my brothers started playing the guitar, one of them. And Emil always liked percussions, mm-hmm. always, my middle brother. 
So we would uh, just do things at home. Uh, it was, and I still remember some of our relatives one time came to visit from Lebanon. And I think we sang for them and they were so elated. Oh, it was so beautiful, you know, <laughs> all that encouragement. I suppose at one point, my sister said, uh, my oldest sister, she apparently knew somebody, right? Somebody at the radio station. At the radio station, Jordanian radio station. And somehow we ended up... <laughs> you played on the radio. Played on the radio. <laughs> I'm sure that was really exciting. Like, like... I don't know how it happened. We just, <laughs> like, we're, we're not used to what you see here, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, all the boasting and all the... It's all down, you know, tempered, very tempered behaviorism. So we, we sang in the radio, and a lot of people heard it, apparently, including one guy that was in West Jerusalem that <laughs> after the 67 war came running to search for this band that played on the radio in 1966, you yeah. know. He was like, I'm going to be in your band. <laughs> and then he found us. He found our home, and he said, I'm going to be in your band. And then uh, you asked him... What instrument do you play? <laughs> I don't play any instrument. He just wants to be a part of the band. He's but they, they taught him the bass. They taught him bass. My brothers. You, you taught him bass? That's incredible. Bass guitar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we he, we had him play with us for a while. Mm-hmm. He was all right. I mean, he was good. He was nice. He's he a had nice the, guy. He had the look. Yeah, he, he had, had the, the look. look more than the skills. <laughs> But that counts for a lot. The look counts it for a does. lot. It does. It definitely I, does. I would give him A for effort. I mean, <laughs> a for effort. But there was a there was a some a small scene when they started. The Flintstones were a band before Correct. you. The Flintstones Armenian. were an Armenian, Armenian Palestinian band. band. Correct. Yeah. Um maybe one or two other bands or something like this. But so for a little while yeah. it was everyone was it was almost like all the bands were just like a jukebox and they would just play covers of whatever was on the radio at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, until we decided, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then we switched to Firuz songs. Mm-hmm. And then we said, oh, wait a minute. And your sisters would sing. Oh, yeah. My sisters would sing with us. Mm-hmm. So that was the first two. Yeah. Well, Which for the time, yeah. For the, to, to young have, women yeah, yeah. on stage, uh, completely, you know, yeah. in front of an audience singing and enjoying their time on the stage. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think there were a lot of firsts as we moved into the Firuzes and then eventually as we moved into lyrics either written by my two brothers or uh, that uh, were poems, poetry that uh, some folks wrote. Uh, do I have a whole memory of every single thing? I It's, it's a little bit... Um, uh, it's a bit hard to reconstruct. I bet if my brothers were here, we can remind each other of, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. But yes, we did do covers. Yes. Uh, and in retrospect, and hindsight is always mm-hmm. twenty twenty, and mm-hmm. oh, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we went to visit the places we played. My, my son and I went together thank you very much for the ticket yeah, he no paid problem. for the this was in 2019 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so not too long ago <laughs> not too long ago. yeah so we we went there and to tell you the truth you know my jaw dropped a couple of times 
to see the size of the place and to know from the pictures that those places were literally standing room only. They played uh, you know? in Bethlehem. The biggest venue that we saw was like a thousand seats. Wow. And yeah. from their memory and from the memory of the guy who runs the place. Jam, jam place. Packed jam out. Pack, packed. packed out. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean. So, you don't recognize it at the time. It's something you do. It goes back to the humility thing that you're talking you about. Know? Even my uncles now, my dad is better now, but my uncles now, <laughs> they don't, they don't want to like, uh, I mean, they acknowledge it, but that's about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had a band. But that's also very rock and roll. I got to say, just kind of like, yeah, I was in a band, whatever. It's fine. No big deal. Yeah. We were really cool. We, we, you know, the, the venues were packed and we played on the radio, but whatever. It's no biggie. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I, I, Thinking about like, you know, that time and, and you performing in that way and all those things, what was the, the reaction of the the general public? Like, were they like, were they excited about it or were they just kind of like, what's going on? Oh, no, no, definitely excited. I mean, whether the participation with the song. Yeah. And we've learned that. We've learned yeah. that as as we went along in that. You might sing a couple of things and then you point to the audience and the audience would erupt in singing with you. Uh, and it's a, it's a very, very powerful experience when you sort of uh, reflect on that. So, yeah, no, no, the audiences were very participant, very excited and very engaged. And, and it's just amazing. But not everyone. <laughs> not everyone because there was someone who wrote in the paper in the newspaper a column oh yeah <laughs> oh was there slander <laughs> well you know i mean there's always going to be haters yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call it haters i think <laughs> that on a principle of uh you're a palestinian arab you're holding a Western piece of instrument right. and you're singing in a Western language. Right. How is that relating to my society? Right. Uh, I think there was a failure on his part to see that had he just waited a few months, few years, mm-hmm. yeah. he would have seen the progression. Absolutely. But, I mean, he... And, and he failed to see the ability to carry the note and the ability to do the harmony, the ability to produce the music all together in front of an audience uh, coming from an uh, uh, interesting background of, you know, mm-hmm. refuge and poverty mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, but, but that said, though, it, it, it didn't stop there because we had those who came out and defended. I mean, there were several articles. Right. Back and they forth had like in the- critics like beefing <laughs> with each other in the newspaper. Like the newspaper. one would put a column saying the blooms are terrible. <laughs> that's how you know you made it. That's, that's yeah. how you know. Someone would be like, no, they're amazing. Like we need them. Whatever. Incredible. I, I did want to ask a little bit about um, specifically the song Tha'ir, which I believe translates to revolution. Mm-hmm. Is that would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair translation of it? Yeah. Um, so, or if you if you put it as like a, a a noun, it's like the revolutionary, right? Of something with a nature. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just i I want to know a little bit about like you know the 
who wrote the lyrics and what was that process like? And if, if there was anything in specific that inspired it, or is it just the general climate that you guys were, were living in at the time? Let me start uh, with the fact that by that time, we've already done Arabic music. Yeah. We've already shifted mostly Arabic music, mm -hmm. mostly Feirouzi. That was a, a political choice. Yeah. And that was a, a conscious political choice. So those who th those critics <laughs> that st started off uh, blasting our work, uh, they should have just waited a little, yeah. <laughs> you know, taken a deep breath or something. Yeah. But by the time that this came, that song came, we have already. My two brothers, I think, wrote a couple of songs that were socially defiant, if you wish, mm -hmm. calling out the hypocrisy in society where. Uh, some folks would call for behaviors and norms and what have you, and in the background and behind closed doors, they're the most uh, hypocrites, uh, hypocr hypocr you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, audacious, whatever. The mm. <laughs> Anyways, that said, mm, uh, that said, uh, this song was for a poet, and to be honest with you, no, I no, it's Mahmoud Darwish. Okay, yeah, uh, and it's. This is a guy that um, basically he's part of the resistance. I mean, he, among other poets and uh, musicians would have you Arabic music and all that stuff, they, they were the focus as the National Liberation Movement was still building up, okay? Um, and so this song just appealed. The era that that, that song was done um, let's put it this way that was an era where about there about the uh, comités were forming in Palestine uh, they called them Lijan al-Amal al-Watani the uh, the nationalist um, national uh, uh, work comités part of the work that people did was go out and clean the streets your local streets, you know, and you you had number of uh, groups, volunteers join. To the Israeli occupation, that was very dangerous because that's the rise of organizing, you know, that this, the unit, unity of the society, the uh, mm -hmm. uh, building up uh, resistance slowly but surely. And that's where the song came in. And I believe it was the right time, and it, I believe it, it just reflected the era that you we were going through. So, so that's that's how I believe, and it's it's um, it's heartwarming to know that my brothers made that choice. My brother Samir, I think, mm -hmm. even made that choice. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it, the song, Yani, I don't know if you've read the Mahmoud Darwish or not, but. Uh, yeah, he wrote a lot of good stuff. He was the he was the poet of the revolution, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. and I I, did, I wanted to kind of um, you know just to shift a little bit to Saman. So was that the first time you went to Palestine? Was that in 2019, or had you been prior? That was my first time as an adult. Okay. Um, we went when I was like five or six. That was my first time. 95, 95. 95. So I was five years old. 
that was, and I still have some pretty strong memories. I, I remember like the backyard being in the backyard of um, Emil and Hanan's house. I remember running through the market in the old city in Jerusalem. I remember uh, being very, I, I was very scared of an Israeli soldier when we were driving to a checkpoint. Mm-hmm. It really scared me. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other memories. I remember the smell of the meat market. In the old city, I remember how bad it was. <laughs> I, I, I also went to Palestine. I've been once. I was around five. It was around the early 90s. And I have very vivid memories of this. The I can vividly smell the way Dukans smell, which are like kind of like bodegas. And I just remember the way Dukans always smelled a little bit like tobacco. Like <laughs> they always had this like tobacco-y smell to it. Um it wasn't bad, but better than better than the meat market, definitely for sure. <laughs> ten out of ten, better than a meat market. One thousand percent. Yeah. So yeah, that, those were my. That was the twenty nineteen was my first time as an adult. And and what was what was that experience like? Because I I've never been to Palestine as an adult. I would love to go to Palestine as an adult, and I hope I get the opportunity to. But was I'm sure that's definitely a different experience, just being able to notice the way people are living and, and things that are happening. So what, what are some things that you noticed that maybe you hadn't considered prior that this is kind of, you know, what life is like in Palestine? Um, I remember feeling, well, first of all, my uncle, his brother had us on like a very, he had us on a, on a, on a, on a, he had an itinerary. Oh yeah. So there was not a lot of downtime. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But it was great. Like I felt very much it was I felt at home in a way that I had never felt at home before, which was very sweet. Um, I, you know, we I definitely we had the checkpoint experience of going through and that was still know, scary as an adult. Definitely doesn't make you feel comfortable. Yeah. For sure. um, it was, it, you know, on the bright side, it was very beautiful to be able to take in like the land and the culture. Um, it was, uh, you know, obviously very disheartening, you know, we would be, we'd be somewhere like we go to Bethlehem, obviously like we had to like see the wall up close. Yeah. Um, the, the separation. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, things like that, seeing like the settlements being like, oh, this is a beautiful hill. And then my uncle being like, those are illegal settlements. Yep. And being like that's messed up. Yep. Um, and I mean, one thing I really enjoyed was, because uh, we mainly stayed in Ramallah and I really enjoyed, I made a bunch of new friends on that trip and they would like take me to like different bars and clubs at night. And that was a really cool experience just to like get a taste of the nightlife. Um, Which is, it's so interesting because I feel like I've had people tell me this before, but like in my mind, because I haven't been there, especially as an adult, like I, I kind of don't even think that these are things that they have. And it, it makes me happy to know that there yeah. are there is still, there is joy. There is, people are able to, to have fun and have a good time. And so I, anytime someone tells me like, yeah, I went to, you know, Palestine and there were these really cool bars and lounges. And, and <laughs> I'm like, that makes me so happy to know that people still are able to, to have these, these places to, you know, just <laughs> live their life. Yeah. I, I would say like, what, I mean, one thing that was really which i don't think i told baba but like i remember one of the last nights we went bar hopping me and my my new friends and like i remember walking out so we were like mixed group like some boys some girls some men some women whatever um 
and we walked out of one of the bars. This was like maybe the last bar we went to. And like, I remember some like drunk dudes in a car, like doing donuts out in the street. And they were like, <laughs> they were like whistling at one of the girls we were with. And it was that, that was really like, that kind of made me sad. Cause I was having like, I was on this hive being back home for the first time. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, there's still like sexism. Like there's still <laughs> guys are still gross. Oh yeah, it's which everywhere. Is, I can confirm. Yeah, but which is what you had. There was a song y'all had that kind of referenced. Right. Some of that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. What the what was it? Let Bidnash. Let Bidnash. Yeah. So unfortunate that it's still an issue, um, but it is what it is. We can only work against it as much as we can. And I do remember also before we went, um, I obviously really wanted to. I, like I was texting my friends like, oh, I really want to go see some jazz while I'm in Palestine. I was really hyped on that, obviously, because they put me on jazz from when I was a kid. Um, and my friends were like, when I got there, they were like, there's like, there are jazz players, but there's not a jazz scene. Like, you can't just go to like a jazz club. <laughs> they were like, it's techno. Techno is what we do in Palestine. <laughs> That's upsetting. Yeah. And so I was like, kind of like the opposite of jazz. <laughs> but I still went to a techno club because I wanted to like get it. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The experience. The experience. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was really interesting. It's a patriarchal society. So, yeah. and we, the, the behaviors will not deviate from, just about any patriarchal society, including here. Yeah, yeah everywhere. It, that's yeah. what I mean. It, Not it, unique to Palestine. Yeah, oh, it, no. ex- it exists everywhere. And it's it's so interesting to me, though, because my mom will tell me things. And, and although, like you said, there is that still exists there, there also was a lot of kind of like progressive behaviors yeah. in a way that I feel like America took a lot longer to catch up with in a way um, – even as far as like, you know, what women wear to the beach and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think that in a lot of ways, there was a little bit more um, liberation at an earlier period based off my mom's experience, which she just turned 72. Her birthday is on the Nekba. So Happy l- l- lucky her. Uh, she, I told her, I'm like, you'll have a good birthday soon, hopefully. But um, this woman has never enjoyed. I'm, she is literally the epitome of someone from Gaza. I'm like, she cannot enjoy anything, like everything. But uh, we all we could do is kind of laugh about it. But I, I, I also wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about um, your sisters singing Feidu songs. The first question I have is, will they be released? Do we have them? Can I have them? <laughs> like I, I really would like to hear these uh, amazing covers, but um, do what? Who exactly was in the band as far as your siblings? Like, I want to break down of the band and what what kind of roles they played because I'm just I'm gonna fangirl right now. There <laughs> <laughs> um, were the three brothers and two sisters. My oldest sister was, I think, so there's uh, six siblings total. We're six, but total. the eldest sister, she was. She had already been married, yeah, I think, by the time like the band was yeah. really moving on. on, right? So, uh, so that, you know, they would join the band on the stage when, you know, we did the songs that they were involved in, but they, it wasn't every song that yeah. they were in, in there. At one point, I believe we, uh, we had other mm-hmm. uh, guitar players. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think, I think at one point my brother left, my youngest brother left to the United States. Mm-hmm. 
And at one point, I decided to do something else with my life um, than the, the music mm -hmm. uh, that we were doing. So mm -hmm. the band had, <clears throat> I think, two outside of Francois. Francois was the bass guy. The bass guy. Okay. Okay. There's Francois, there was David. David Saad. And then there is uh, George Kermans. George Kermans, yeah. Uh, those were the, the David and George both played guitar. Correct. I think George I remember who did the bass guitar. George was lead. After maybe? I left, I think he sang most. But was he the lead guitarist and Samir was the rhythm? <clears throat> no, Samir always played the uh the guitar. He was the lead. Yeah. So okay, so George would have been George the always played the rhythm guitar. So then then David probably was the bass player. Very possible, yes. Yeah, I think David yeah. was the bass player. But it was like a kind of like revolving door. And there's other people's names who I can't remember who That's were. really cool, though, because it seems like everyone is kind of like... Um, everyone just kind of was able to be involved in different parts of the, the music mm -hmm. process or and the roles mm -hmm. were very fluid in that sense. Yeah. So what what did you mainly do in the band? I eventually just stuck with singing. Yeah. Um, so he was a lead singer. I was the lead singer for the band. Do you still sing? Like, are you? Is that still something that you you I like to do? In the shower, <laughs> <laughs> so that I don't scare the family. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he sings everywhere all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just calling him out. You're like, you know, he literally never stops singing. I remember after the Damien Marley came out with the album, like for like, I remember for like a whole summer, I would just hear you walking around the house going, Jamaica, Jamaica. <laughs> I mean, listen, Welcome to Jam Rock is a great album. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I agree. I think yeah, we should yeah. all be singing it all the time. Yeah. Every track, you never want to skip <laughs> yeah. a single yeah. one. It is a 10 out of 10 album. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's a very good album. Very, very good album. Yeah, I mean, I do sing. I do notice on and off. For whatever reason, my 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 uh, vocal cords are having an issue of late. Well, I'm not sure what it is yet. We'll find out. I don't know. Uh, but I enjoy singing. Uh, matter of fact, I think uh, Dana and myself. Dana is my partner in life, uh, the mother of the beautiful children that we have. Uh, <laughs> uh, we actually tried to join a choir. Uh, and we were both had tests, you know, vocal tests. And so she qualified for a soprano and I qualified for a bass. Uh, I was wondering if my voice was bass or tenor, but I think I, I ended up being bass voice. Um, but this, this is interesting because when we joined the choir, international choir here in the Houston area, uh, it just re reminded me, where did my brothers and myself pick up the ability to carry a note? Right and do harmony. And it all goes back to the music that we sang in school. So when we were young, we went to a missionary school. Uh, colonization again comes in, right? Right. <laughs> German uh, missionary school. And that's where we learned uh, singing in choir. And that's where we learned the varying levels of harmony. How do you harmonize? Uh, unfortunately, in those days, it wasn't like today in the middle school or high school that you carried your uh, musical uh, piece that you liked. But So it was vocal mostly. Yeah. Uh, we did the choir. And I think that's where it all started, I believe. Uh, 
my mother used to enjoy singing at home a lot. Mm-hmm. And my dad just listened to music. But <laughs> my mother enjoyed singing. And I think she had a beautiful soprano voice. Uh, if I and recall. she wrote poetry. And she wrote poetry for herself. Yeah. Not publicly. But yeah, for herself. Yeah. I mean, listen, Palestinians, I've come to the conclusion, maybe I'm a little bit biased. I think <laughs> I told my mom today, everything that my cousins who live there say to me sounds poetic. The way that Palestinians communicate just in general is extremely poetic in a way that I feel like translating it does no justice. And also like, I think it's also a reflection of just, you know, and my mom was saying that she's like, it's because they, they grow up seeing like all of these, you know, painful things and, and they, they have these hard lives. So they kind of find comfort in, in turning that into art and, and taking these experiences and turning them into something beautiful and something that gives them hope. And, and that's why I think there is this really kind of long-standing appreciation in Palestine for for music and for poetry and just generally for the arts because it seems like it really was this kind of form of comfort uh for for a long period of time mm-hmm. and and you also you didn't just do music either oh, we did theater too yeah oh, yeah there. I I was gonna ask about that yeah mm. no but you know in terms of uh, music you should Continue telling her about the itinerary we had every night with my brother. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> every night was some kind of fun. Uh, he had just an agenda when we got there. <laughs> well, it was a it was a partnership because when we got there, he was like, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to see every possible place connected to the band that we can fit in two weeks." And so, to his credit, he I mean, he knows like the roads of Palestine, like. He could probably drive it in his sleep. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. So he just, he took us everywhere that we could go. Um, we went to, yeah, I think y'all's, the most famous concert was um, the YMCA concert yeah. in, in Jerusalem in 73. That was like, for whatever reason, that was like the one, even though it wasn't like the biggest of, in terms yeah. of audience size, that was, I don't know. I don't know why that ended up being the one, but um and I and I remember when I went to go I went to go visit David the I guess bass player who, who now lives in California um, a couple years ago and he actually he told me um, at the YMCA show he remembers when when y'all were doing one of the Feru's songs I don't remember which one um, he and your sisters were singing he looked he said he looked across the stage at George. And he said George was like crying while he was playing the guitar. And I was like, that's incredible. But that was like the kind of impact that the music had on not just the fans, but yeah. the band itself. It was like very meaningful yeah. music. But yeah, he took us all around. He, we went. No, but Emil took you took us in the evenings to oh. literally entertainment, not oh, politica- yeah. political uh, was like music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tunisian musicians. Oh, yeah, or, there was like yeah. um, some kind of international music festival, festival was that was happening yes. in Ramallah. Cool. And there was like a the I think the final night which we went to, it was something really incredible. It was like all the musicians who had performed for the festival, yeah, all played together. So it was like yeah. I don't know, like thirty people on yeah. stage, yeah, and it was like people from like it was like like Mongolian yes. monks or something yeah, doing like the throat singing. Right. 
with like a Tunisian and woman. This is in Ramallah. Yes, Ramallah. in Ramallah. Like the culture is thriving there. The culture and in Ramallah is, is thriving. Unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. stuff happening. And he took there. us to a, a dance performance. Yes, to like political dance. Yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, Ramallah. The culture in Ramallah is like just un- unbelievable. Uh, you ought to you ought to pay a visit there. Yeah, you I mean. You know, listen, I, I I definitely want to go to Ramallah. Unfortunately, I'm sure you guys know this. If you enter Gaza, you kind of can't then leave and go anywhere else in yeah, Palestine, yeah, which yeah, is you're why... you're kind of like uh, you, stuck in there. Right. So like if you can even get in. So when I went there the one time, we wanted to go see our family. So we went into Gaza and I remember my mom wanted to take me to Jerusalem and she wanted to take the kids to see everything. But like literally yeah. they would not let us... Yeah. They wouldn't let us in. And even now, like, if I wanted to go, I would basically kind of have to choose. Do I want to go see my family or do I want right. to do I want to go see the rest of Palestine? Because right. it still is kind of that way where, you know, and I think also a lot of people I've realized through, you know, the last um, couple of days or I guess almost two weeks now, a lot of people don't realize that people in Gaza really can't go in and out. Like I have family right. in Gaza who's mm-hmm. never been to Al-Aqsa. They, they've just, right. they've never even seen it, which is kind of uh, hard to, to even like wrap your head around. Just, right, right. Because it's not that far away. It, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. terrible. Um, me and my brother, if, if you may want to just jot that down for yourself. If you go to the Ramallah municipality website, mm-hmm. Uh, he does video uh, video casts, uh, and he what does he do? He actually interviews. His his goal is to interview Palestinian musicians. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's done twenty seven uh, twenty seven. Um, what do you call them? Interviews. Interviews so far. Yeah. And the last interview, which was mind boggling, mind blowing. The last interview that he has done, he has done with the Mu'addin from Jerusalem. And he actually was able to get him to talk about Sufism and the expression of the, the prayer that it is not just a haphazard, uh, just, you know, someone with a good voice. Rather, it has maqamat, yep. you know, a certain rhythm, a certain beat, a certain... Uh, so I, I really invite you to go and check that on the Ramallah municipality. Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds really cool. Uh, and also, I've never heard anyone interview someone who does the call to prayer in, in that depth because it is also like, uh, it's just one of those things that it just, the way it sounds, it's if you have an appreciation for 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 things that sound good, like it, there is this kind of like flow to yeah, it yeah. that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and what you, your dad liked to listen to. Oh, yeah. yeah. He liked listening to the, specifically to the call to prayer. Yeah, well, Abdul Basit, Abdul Samad, okay. you know, is a well-known, uh, well-known. Go ahead. You were saying. No, I was, I was just thinking. I was like, uh, I think, you know, I lived in Dubai for a few years. I lived in the Emirates. And I remember... Um, people just regardless of their faith, like they would hear the call to prayer and there was just general appreciation of just, it's beautiful. Like we all should just kind of stop what we're doing to appreciate this. And, and my mom, you know, would tell me stories about growing up in in Palestine. She also went to, I believe a Catholic school for a few years, even though 
she's Muslim. And she was like, everyone in Palestine just really had a, or still has a mutual respect for each other and for their religion. And there really was this sense of community that she feels like she's never seen it exist in in many places in her life. And she, she talks about Fayruz a lot. And that's, I think why she also really loved Fayruz is because she also would sing about the unity in Palestine between these different faiths. And, and it was this very celebrated thing that I think a lot of Palestinians were proud of because they all kind of just got along in a way that doesn't always seem to be the case. Uh, I, I just want to comment on that. I think you bring a very, very, very important point in the uh, uh, structure of the Palestinian society. One of the reasons that you have not witnessed, and this is not, and I don't want to go into that political arena, at the, but just a short uh, 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 snippet there. One of the reasons that the forces, the enemies of the Arab world failed to inject sectarianism within the Palestinian society is precisely what you're talking about whereby they have succeeded in certain uh, areas like Iraq and Syria. Fortunately, the forces that clashed eventually came to their senses and realized, wait a minute, this is, this is not our making. You know, sectarianism has been there. Sectarian sects have been there since whenever. And yes, there were frictions here and there in life, just like anything else right. in life, but it was never kill or get killed right you know it was it was live or let live for the most part yeah. with few exceptions when people were either ignorant or uh, or 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 uh, low on understanding right. uh, uh, but precisely because of that because the tashabuk uh, the the social fabric of the Palestinian society did not, does not today, and I don't think it will do in the future, allow for that kind of manipulation of the varying sects in, in Palestine. So, and I will just stop at that. I'm very impressed that he did not go on a rant. That is, <laughs> I would, I, I'm like, I, for him. I would support it. I would definitely be here for a rant on that because <laughs> listen, I'm like, I, you guys caught me on a, on a better day this week. I'm like, I was able to, you know, I'm, I'm in a better mood, but I've just been in a consistent state of rants for, for <laughs> just nonstop ranting. My neighbors definitely think there is something wrong with me. They're like, this girl, is, this girl has a lot of opinions this week, and she really wants to, to express them at, at length. But Let them know. Let them know. Listen, just this morning, I was blasting um, uh, uh, Feiruz on repeat for approximately three hours, but it's wow. daytime, so it's acceptable. It's, ex- right. it's not, <laughs> right. I can blast my music during the day, yeah. so they know something is happening. They're like, she yeah. usually she'll listen to this here and there, but right at this moment in time, and, and I think just kind of circling back is music, the thing that I love about it is that it really, it, it can make you feel something. And, and during this difficult time with everything that's happening in Palestine, I'm finding so much solace and just comfort in listening to this music, even though it was made decades and decades ago. And it, and yeah. it does make me sad that 
you know, the, you know, an artist like Feirou is singing about something that's, that's still happening. And it's unfortunate that this is still happening, but it just, even through time, it's so relevant and it, and it still is a reflection of what is currently happening. And, and in a way that's kind of the only comfort I've been able to truly feel is through, through that music and, and through your music as well. I mean, I, I have a playlist on Spotify and that it is on it and, <laughs> and listening to it, it makes me feel this sense of I'm number one, you know, community and I'm not alone. And this is a shared experience that even though I'm, I was born in America and I'm, I'm a first generation Palestinian American, I can still feel the passion and, and the love and the, 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 the want for peace and the, yes. the want to, you know, kind of feel proud of, of where you're from and be able to enjoy that. And, and that definitely comes across, which is why I'm, I'm such a fan of your music and what you do and what you stand for, because it just, it's definitely, it's definitely something that's, that's bringing me happiness right now. And I, I, I'm so glad that, <laughs> that you guys both came on and, and hopefully people listening to this can also feel that especially if they're Palestinian or feel love for Palestine because I think right now Palestine is experiencing so much love and and I'm you know I tell I've been telling everyone this week I'm like you're an honorary Palestinian you you, <laughs> you can be a Palestinian too because anyone who's who's showing love right now um is 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 with us and um like I said I mean honestly talking to both of you you're both incredible you've done incredible things and and it's it's honestly such an honor to be able to to talk to you both about your your music and and just kind of all of the the amazing work you guys have done. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Nora. Thank you, Nora. We appreciate you. Of course, and I wanna um, I wanna be able to plug everything. Where can people follow you, Saman, online? Um, I'm I don't know if you're on Instagram, but where? <laughs> Also plug anything you want, and also obviously like Albaraim and stuff. But yeah, plug, plug everything. I think I I did Twitter, but every time I want to tweet <laughs> something, I call him. Yeah, I'm an IT guy, huh? And yeah. I still call him for Twitter. But my IT is more uh, infrastructure based. More, uh, uh, yeah. The social media is the benefit of my younger generation here, and definitely my wife. Uh, uh, but I mean, I once in a while I visit Facebook. Once in a while I visit Twitter. I am on mm -hmm. Twitter with what Ibrahim Ashrawi. I think it's just your name, Ibrahim yeah. Ashrawi. Yeah. Ibrahim Ashrawi. Um, I might have uh, two hundred people. Two hundred people. I don't know. I and I say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had some good tweets. Take do some numbers. <laughs> he checks the he checks the stats. Um, I, on Twitter, I'm also my first and last name, Saman Ashrawi, some an, but I can't put the an. <laughs> In the Twitter handle, unfortunately, so it's S A M A A N Ashrawi, um, and then on Instagram, I'm S A M three A N. So I got the Ain yeah. in there, and then um, you can find Al Baraim. Uh, let me make sure I don't give the wrong thing. It is A L underscore B A R A three, the number three E M. Okay, and that's on on Twitter and Instagram, and we always share updates there on. Music and to answer your question, there is, there are recordings. Yes. There's at least one recording yes. of the Feru's songs. It's a live recording, um, and I've just basically been trying to strategize how to release everything properly. Um, but I, it's in my plans for that to be out in the world. So 
Absolutely. You'll be the first to know. I, I really hope that I'm the first to know because if I'm not, I will find you. And I will. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I need this. I would like I this. <laughs> I'm like, I am like, I want this in my life. I need it. Um, and obviously I'm going to, I'm going to have um, everything linked in the episode description as well um, as um, where you can listen to El Bara in which I, I'm a Spotify girl. So I'm going to link Spotify because. Do it. Do it. Thank okay. you. But are you guys, is, is El Bara on different platforms as on well? On all the streaming platforms. It's on YouTube. I'm still trying to get in touch with someone at YouTube who can tell me why people in the West Bank cannot play the YouTube, um, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, right. Until now. Um, but I haven't gotten any answers, so I'm working on that. But other than that, it's on all streaming platforms. Hmm. Okay. Uh, listen to it wherever you stream music. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys again for, for taking the time to talk to me. As always, you guys can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a cool picture of Sam'an, but a very cool picture of uh, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling to call you something. I want to call you <laughs> Ibrahim. I'm like, I don't, I feel very uncomfortable calling you Ibrahim. <laughs> the the I'll, respect... I'll, I'll, I'll. Yeah, the, like the respect that's ingrained in my head to always <laughs> call everyone. I'm um, so I, I there will be a very cool picture of him. Saman has sent me some really cool pictures of you, oh, and um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm like truly iconic. And and as always, guys, um, I will talk to you next Sunday. <laughs>